When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Never did we think we'd be talking about a signing this early on in the summer. Uh, Victor Fisher, John in your notebook this week, you were talking about how impressed you were by Borough getting a deal over the line so early in the summer. And just expand on that. Yeah, well, it's only um, 18 days when he actually arrived on Teesside since uh, Middlesbrough clinched promotion at the Premier League. And, you know, the Championship playoff final's not even even happened yet. So, he's, you know, very much the season is still alive in, in that kind of terms. You know, on Sky on the Sky Sports ticker, Middlesbrough still under championship, which you know I know a few fans have seen. Is that okay? I've never seen. Yeah, that. yeah, yeah. They're still under the championship at the minute. So um, Middlesbrough still a championship club. Ooh. I know, <laughs> but um, no, the signing is impressive because it it has been done very quickly, and uh, we all know this summer that it is. It is going to be a bit of a grind in the transfer market. You're going to, you're going to have all 20 Premier League clubs that are within the, the top 30 richest clubs in the world because of the money swirling round. And I think Middlesbrough really have you know, pulled out an ace, really, to get one over the line so quickly. I think a lot of people's kind of, kind of focus at the minute will be holiday and kind of looking back at the previous season. Um, but Middlesbrough have clearly identified a player and they've identified it early. Um, and they've got a deal in place and got him over the line quickly. I think that with the Euros and the Copper America, so often you kind of see that clubs leave it until July to, to start then piecing together the jigsaw. And it's going to be really difficult because all the, all the clubs in the Premier League have all have financial might and they're going to be looking at the same players in July. And I think whoever moves quickest will get the best deals and that's why I'm quite impressed with Middlesbrough that there hasn't really been a tendency of, of looking back and kind of congratulating themselves for what they've done, they now feel that they're back to where they belong and now they're looking forward. Is this reaping the rewards, Vic, of, of Gary Gale and Victor Orter and that scouting system I think that's it been is. in place? I, it, I, I mean, it's interesting that, that, that uh, Fisher, the, the first thing that came out of the club is that they've been watching him for four, five, six years and he's been on the radar, they've watched his development, there was possible talk of him of going for, for him before his injury and, and now he's... Uh, he's He's back and proved that, that he, he's fit again. Uh, they've moved in. Uh, similarly, uh, there was a, a lot of talk about uh, Lindelof in January, and that was a similar situation. You know, they've been developing, watching his development for four years, uh, and almost got that over the line, and, and were frustrated in, in, at the last minute. And suddenly, he's been linked with a twenty million pound move to Man United. So there's something good going on in terms of identifying transfer targets. Uh, when Borough were in the Championship last year, sometimes it's harder to attract those players because at the end of the day, the Premier League is the, it's the, the shop window that everyone wants to be in. And we don't know how many transfer targets over the last year or two that Borough couldn't quite drag in because they weren't in the, the Premier League and how many of those might be revisited now. Uh, clearly, the club has spent a lot of time and money and, re- and resources in terms of man-hours over the last two, three, four years doing the groundwork, building up the database, uh, building up contacts, because football scouting is not just about you know, getting the, the abilities of the players and, and working out who can do what. It's also about knowledge. Uh, it's about knowing 
if a player is going to become available that perhaps you didn't think was. It's about knowing if another club is going to make a move for someone that could suddenly free up someone that you've been looking at. And that's what Victor Ort has been brought in for. Uh, over the years, we've built up contacts with clubs in, in England, and you know we can ring up people and, and agents and third parties and stuff. And, and there's, a, there's a gossip network, a neural gossip network within football. Uh, Victor Orta is connected into this, to a similar network on the continent, so he will become aware through his own contacts when an interesting target may become available. And that, to me, is going to be a significant and really interesting development over the summer to see if that does deliver. Phil, I know you touched on it in a, in a tribe supper a few weeks ago. I know uh, the kind of big name, the marquee signing, might be a thing of the past. And I guess using Leicester as an example, I know it's the easy thing to do, but the Cantes of this world and the Mares. And, and I guess what you'd hope, Victor Fisher, does, does this kind of ring true with, with does what you were saying ring true with this signing, do you think? I think so, because at the end of the day, you've got 20 clubs, haven't you, who've got a massive amount of money to spend, and players want to come to the Premier League. So. Middlesbrough will be judged in the same way as a West Brom or as a Swansea or as a Southampton by somebody from Portugal or Italy or Denmark or Spain. Um, we can't compete with the Man United and Liverpools and, 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 and Arsenals. We just can't. Um, we haven't got the kudos. We don't, we're not in London, for example, which is a big thing, it seems to be. And I'm not sure we particularly want to anymore. You know, Middlesbrough were in a position in 1996 where they went out and bought the guy who scored the winning goal in the European Cup final because Steve Gibson's £15 million or so put them in the elite bracket in Europe. Now, we're just one of 20 clubs, as I've as just said, and we have a bit of catching up to do. So we don't need to shop at that level, and we can't shop at that level. And looking at the level, some of the players that the clubs in the top five and six have signed over the last couple of years, I'm not sure I'd want to anyway because they're not finding what I'd call value signings. They're not coming in and ripping the league. You just mentioned Leicester as an example. They've made so many teams in the Premier League look average. And you look at the investment that's gone in at Arsenal, you know, you, know, you hear about clubs having five-year plans. You know, Liverpool were an example, but they're not their only ones who've brought big-name players in. You know, they'll sell... They'll sell a Suarez by five or six players, thinking that they've strengthened. And funnily enough, they've actually weakened their squad because, you know, those players end up not being able to settle. And Spurs did it, didn't Spurs they? Spurs did it with Bale. You know, yeah. they get this massive check of money, and they just don't use it properly. So I think Borough's model's right. They're looking at the right kind of players. I think just going back on a point that John raised about, you know, getting a signing in early. Most clubs don't want to wait till July and August to do it. They just don't have any choice because if you're an in-demand player, you're not going to go to the first player, the first club that knocks on the door. Now, as Vic says, the borough put the let the donkey working on this transfer for Victor a long time ago, and and they've been able to be in a strong position the moment promotion was realised. Um, if borough hadn't gone up, they might have still gone for that player, but he'd have said, "Well, I like the sound of your club, and I like the sound of your manager, and I like the chairman." But I'm going to wait and see because a Premier League club might come in and get me. So everything around Borough's transfer policy for me is 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 heartening. They're not going. They haven't gone out like they would have done 20 years ago and tried to buy Atletico Madrid striker or 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 a player connected with Real Madrid or Barcelona. And because that often we missed out anyway in those in those years, and we ended up with players who just came for the money, and that's what we don't want. We don't want to repeat of that scenario that we had, particularly in the McLaren years, and at times with Robbo as well, where 
The player looked around. The top four clubs didn't want him. The elite clubs in Europe didn't want him. He had no emotional attachment to Middlesbrough. They were coming for the money, let's face it. The Rockenbacks and people like that. The Dualas who we tried to get time and time again and eventually said, hands off, I'm not coming, please, leave me alone. Please, please don't away. sign me. And <laughs> do you really want to sign a player who's only coming because we put our 50... It's the, it's the Barini situation all over again. I'm not going to Sunderland, I don't want to go to Sunderland. Oh, nobody else wants me, they're offering a decent deal. Well, I'll go to Sunderland. So, in a nutshell... Doing the, right the good thing about this Fisher thing, um, I think he's a player that is arriving with a real point to prove. He's clearly got pedigree. You know, he, he's clearly been brought up as many people do it through Ajax, you know, the academy, one of the best kind of academies in Europe. The barn with the ball at the feet there. Yeah, right? exactly. I mean, yeah. Apart from, I think, uh, I think well, there's, there's a couple, there's a couple of exceptions, let's say. But he's um, he's clearly a player with pedigree. And speaking to the journalists out there, they cl- they've said that you know he was kind of seen back in the day as a, a similar kind of talent of, of Christian Eriksen, who obviously is now a Premier League star. When they won the, the Eredivisie title, some, some people were saying Fisher was outshining Eriksen. That's high praise in itself. But it's been a tough last kind of two years for him, hasn't it? He's obviously was out for 14 months with that hamstring injury, which is quite well documented. He came back into the team at the beginning of this season and, and seemed fine. But for them... For some reason, he found himself on the bench, and he's been on the bench for the last six, seven months, and he he says he doesn't know why. So that, I think, going back to what Phil said, is Borough attracting a player not only with pedigree, but also with a real point to prove, and that usually is a, a winning combination in a player. Gaston Ramirez is a prime example, isn't it? I know it's different when it's a loan move. Um, Vic, do you think, obviously we've seen players come in in the past, Will Shutt, who was raw, wasn't he? And I guess Wigan are, are reaping the rewards now of the, the, the time he spent to adjust to the English game. Will, will he be ready, Fisher, to go straight in, or will he take four or five months to, to adapt, do you think? Uh, we'd like to think that he'd be ready. Uh, I mean, obviously, having a full pre-season is going to help. Uh, in the past, one of the problems has been getting players in August the 31st or whatever, and then you have missed the, the pre, not just the pre-season in terms of physical training, but the bonding process uh, in becoming part of the, the culture of the squad. And sometimes that's more important than uh, an individual's ability. Uh, what the club, one of the th- things that the club do uh, put a lot of stock in is the personality uh, of players, and when players come over to to look around Rockcliffe, I mean, and Fisher was at Rockcliffe last week, for instance, with his girlfriend, and it was, by all accounts, it was a wonderful sunny day. And as you know, at Rockcliffe, that one day, though, yeah, yeah it can be, <laughs> but that's the day to get everyone there that day. Yeah. <laughs> but one of the things they they put a, a, a lot of stock in is the, the chat that the player has with with Itor Karanka, because they want people to buy into the project to have a similar philosophy and not to sign them and then find on day two that actually their approach to training is completely alien to, to the way that the club is. When, you've got a, when you rely on the team, the team ethic, the, the framework of the, the squad, it's as important to have the right personality as it is to have the right skill set. Sorry, go on. Sorry, Vic, I didn't want to interrupt you. I was just going to say, I'll come in a second. What we, do, what we don't want is a Newcastle scenario. And what was, what was potentially foreseeable... When Victor Orta came in, and you've got Aitor, the manager, and you've got Leo Perkovic, and it was going to be completely Latin America stroke, yeah. um, um, Southern European type recruitment. Yeah. So, so before long, that great dynamic you've got in the dressing room with the British lads, the European lads, and the, you know everyone getting on together, you'd end up being 
70-80% you know, Uruguayan, Spanish, whatever you want to call it. And that would, you know, and then you suddenly you're thinking that special bond's gone. Now, I, I know a special bond only lasts as long as you're winning. So, but by the same token, I think it's. I think I'm really heartened to see a northern European player come in, and that's not anything against the lads who are already here. I just think you can see him bonding very quickly. You know, I'm sure his English is excellent. Um, he's gone through the, you know, he's Danish, but he's been through the uh, the Ajax setup. Um, he'll be very well versed, I'm imagining, English football, and, the, and the, you know, so I can see him blending in really well. That's not to say I don't want to see some fantastic South Americans arrive, and of course we do. But there was a danger to me that yeah. the dynamic was going to go too far the other way. You know, all the coaching staff virtually being being uh, Spanish speaking, the, the the chief scout being a Spanish speaker, who's going to look into that sort of market? I'm not for a second saying that's going to happen, but that was my only slight fear. You know, you looked at Newcastle, and the big problem there was they had a they had a philosophy that thought that they thought worked, and it clearly did for a little bit. But they went too far that way. They diluted the dressing room to the point where nobody knew what that team stood for. When the when push came to the shove, there was no leaders on the pitch. It looked it looked it looked like what it was. It was a it was a model that wasn't you know wasn't fit for purpose. So I think it's a it's a great early sign. And um, it it fills you with confidence moving forward. And it shows, doesn't it, that, that Gary Gill's still got a, a crucial role to play because obviously when Victor Arda comes in, I guess it's your automatic reaction is well, well, what what happens to Gill now? What does Gill do? But we have been watching him for five years, so it's a it's a prime it's a prime example, isn't it, that, that Gill's still got that role to play? Yeah, absolutely. I think it's a is kind of a, it's a real team thing now, isn't it? Um, and going back going back to a point that Vic just made about the the, the chat at Rockcliffe, I think I, I was nodding my head when when he said that. Um, by all accounts, he's a real kind of self confident chap. That um, is Fisher. I mean, that's what everyone's saying, and it was probably quite a big decision for him. He could have, probably could have signed, you know, a new deal at Ajax quite easily. I mean, he. I mean, new manager coming in, and he probably could have stayed and fought for his place, but he's he decided, I'm like, no, I'm going to go over to Middlesbrough, probably a place I'm not that aware of, and, and give it a go. And um, one thing that, that is kind of mentioned over there is that he wasn't a typical Ajax player, they, they were saying, that he, he was quite versatile. They said he wasn't quite kind of tricky enough for a winger, but wasn't quite kind of strong enough for a striker. Now, that versatility might be frowned upon in Ajax. You have to be one or the other. But I certainly, in an eye towards Middlesbrough, that kind of versatility is, is kind of really welcomed, isn't it? It's not frowned upon. He's a player that can play in a lot of positions, second striker on the left, and apparently he's one kind of real kind of major attribute is he has lungs like a horse. Now that is exactly what Aitor has got in Albert Adoma and transformed him. So I think it's a quite a smart fit. It's fair play to the player for, for taking a kind of a stab and, and coming out of his comfort zone and it's fair play to Middlesbrough as well for, for being so kind of active. What what can we expect from now on in then transfer wise? Do you think this is a start of, of, of a sign of the way Borough will deal with things? Will they get other deals over the line early doors? I don't know because effectively football goes on holiday for a couple of weeks at this point and then there's the Euros as well which might extend that and obviously everyone's got phones uh, and it can be done but generally there's a, a lull uh, which can be a bit, bit frustrating and a bit awkward uh, and I'm sure the club is still working on deals but it might be a case of it all being behind the scenes and, and it might not burst into life for another month or so. Uh, I think that, that what we can look forward to this, this summer is obviously going to be loads and loads of speculation. I, I hope we don't get involved in uh, auctions over the two or three players and, and 
and the money get, get, uh, getting thrown around ends up with a lot of noughts on the end because despite the huge pot of cash that the clubs are, uh, are supposedly uh, supposed to have it actually doesn't go that very f go far when you start playing 10, 15, 20 million pounds for players and if they're going for players who score goals it might be that one of the signings is in that region and you spent yeah. five million pounds on the stadium uplift as well, yeah. didn't you? As well? I mean, I think I think it's a really good point Vic makes about that because, as I was saying before, when I say that clubs want to make signings early but they can't, it, it just put a bit of meat on the bones about that. I know I remember Steve McLaren would always have a list of players in May that he wanted, and he almost never got them because the players he wanted just went somewhere else, the, the more attractive clubs or to bigger pairs or whatever you want to call them. I think it's inevitable at least one or two signings will probably go well into August because the simple fact is if they're good players, they, they hold all the aces. You know, if you're, if you're a top-draw striker who can pretty much have his pick of the Premier League clubs, I'm sure he'll listen to Borough's offer and be interested with what they've got to say, but then he'll say, yeah, I like your offer, but I'm going to talk to Everton, I'm going to talk to whoever, I'm going to talk to Sunderland, and I'm going to talk to... And as soon as... It, a club in Europe comes in that lifts it a little bit because there's a prospect of playing in Europe. If it's a club in the Champions League, even better, the prospect of Champions League football. So there's all those those elements. You know, it used to happen a lot to Steve McLaren. Brew would have a really good deal for a player in the McLaren era. It'd be virtually done and dusted, and in the last minute, you know, your Liverpool's would come along and they would they would hijack the deal because they could just offer something that Borough couldn't. Um, so I think I think. Borough have gone the right way with this kind of signing. I think Vic's right and John as well. They're probably going to have to at least go the long distance with one or two players, whether they want a new keeper or a striker, as I say. They might have to be be patient. And, of course, with the Euros coming up and then with the uh, with the transfer window being up until the end of August, as usual, um, it could be a long summer. The risk of opening another debate, I mean, that's a real disappointment for me. I'm quite... I've, I think if the season starts in mid-August, why is the transfer window open until the end of August? The managers make a lot of managers. It's, make it's inevitable. Yeah, if the transfer window is not doesn't close till September the first, I mean, by the time that these players a sign on the dotted line and then you know train with the team for a couple of weeks and then get up to the pace, you're looking at mid-October. I mean, a, a lot of damage can be done to your campaign by October. Well, I, think, depend, yeah. I think it's cra I think it's crazy yeah. that the transfer window isn't doesn't shut. Possibly end of July, or certainly a couple of weeks before the season starts. So then you say, look, this is what you've got until January. Well, David Moyes well, made a point well, about Manchester United, didn't he? That, that he was, he almost felt like he was almost playing catch up for the season because I can't remember the reason, but he'd gone in a, a little bit later, hadn't he? Was it mid July? You know, it was it was deadline day. By the one time of David Moyes' signings. excuses was yeah, one of many. Yeah, yeah. Van Van Hal, Van it Hal's must be Hal and the champions, wasn't it? <laughs> but on, <laughs> the other, on the other hand, you're gonna, you know, what's the potential of it? We've been sat here in August the 29th, and. All of a sudden, there's rumours that Man United are interested in Ben Gibson. That exactly is exactly the same as, as yeah. Middlesbrough looking to sign someone. It's yeah. not helpful for anyone. I no. think the thing what you were saying as well as as being dragged into an auction is is in that in that case it's easy I guess to take your eye off the ball of, of other potential signings. If you if you kind of get tunnel vision with with one two or yeah. three players and then suddenly you lose one or two. It's, I, it's, yeah. yeah, I think the idea that football clubs compile a list of signings once the season's over and I'm not saying you suggest that I'm not, I'm not, because you're not but that there's a perception that clubs get promotion out of the way or get safety Premier League safety out of the way and then start compiling the list they'll have a list going back 18 months of players and signings yeah, yeah. and they'll be keeping tabs on them I mean the scouting networks at places like Middlesbrough are global they, they, they could probably tell you what 
some striker in Chile has for his breakfast every third Wednesday and what colour his socks are when he goes to his mum's on for his Sunday dinner. You know, it's incredible the amount of detail they've got. And the, uh, you know, they can watch games anywhere they want to watch them from. They've got feeds coming in from all over the place. Any Joe blogs that Borough are looking at, you can guarantee there'll be 15, 20, 30 clubs around the world looking at the same play. The idea that Borough can go and find an undiscovered gem really is is almost impossible just because of the fact that every other club or most clubs have a similar well, standard. That's where, where contacts and information and the ability to, to bypass a lot of a lot of the obstacles can be really useful. Um, we talked a couple of years about ago about uh, the the relationships that borrowed form with particular clubs in Europe. You know, the likes of Atletico Madrid and and, uh, and Roma. And when you're in the championship it's pretty hard to call the favours in on that. Uh, but we, we don't know now what's going on behind the scenes, and it could well be that uh, those those networks have been working for us, you know, behind uh, off the radar over the last year or so, waiting for an opportunity to cash in on Premier League status. And there might be players out there that we are, if not well down the, the line on, certainly have kind of had initial discussions with that promotion may well clinch the deal we don't know but I mean I think that is potentially a, a, a trump card that Borough have to play Moving on you mentioned the, the pots of cash uh, not so long ago and, and I think that's why a lot of fans felt slightly irked by, by the hiking season ticket prices when the, uh, when the new prices were released started last week now I think it was um, what are your thoughts on that I mean from the club's point of view they argue that the, that the Fans had the choice to, to renew early doors, which I think was £397 in the north or south stand, say it's now gone up to £570. I don't have these figures in front of me, but I'm pretty sure that's what it was. Before we discuss the specifics of, of the, the, the ticket prices and how it affects individuals, I think it's important to perhaps understand some of the clubs thinking on this. Well, that's what I was going and, to say. And that is that they're competing with a, a group of clubs in the mid, middle of the Premier League, and they're seven years behind. They're seven years behind in terms of having TV cash, uh, having advertising cash, merchandising, uh, match day revenue. And they want to go up there and, and go right up the gears really quickly and be able to compete with those clubs. Uh, Borough's take through the gate last year was, it, it went up quite dramatically last year, but it was still only £8 million. And the vast majority of clubs in the Premier League are taking £16 million, £15, £16 million. And the big clubs, you know, the, big, uh, the likes of Arsenal take something like £50 million pounds through, through the gate over a year. And that is quite a big difference when you're talking about financial muscle. And uh, what, what Borough want to do is, is obviously compete in every arena possible. That's not just through tickets. I mean, that's through uh, increased advertising revenue, uh, sponsorship, commercial activities, corporate. Uh, having a, an official uh, serial partner in, in Malaysia. All this, they're, they're the cash flow uh, uh, areas of cash flow that are out there that other clubs have tapped into over the years, and Borough, you know, it's it, the landscape's tra- changed dramatically since we were last in the in the Premier League, and um, what they're concerned about is going up and not just not being able to compete. Uh, I don't think that'll be the case because I think they're they're a slimmer, shrewder, um, more professional organisation in a lot of ways than they were last time they were up there. Uh, I think they've they've learned good habits and they've got professionalism in some areas, but they they are a long way behind some clubs, 
and that's in their thinking when it comes to going into the Premier League, because they need to raise the, the, the finances to to compete. Unfortunately for fans, one of those areas is impacts on them directly, and the, the, the season ticket prices are obviously football's massively expensive, and we're in an area here of very low average wage. We've got the lowest average wage in in the country around here, and we have massive problems of social deprivation and football is really expensive and people make sacrifices to go to see football so anything that tightens the screw on that is going to hurt with that in mind though you, you know you were talking about kind of the average wage and whatnot and how difficult the time it has been for the last few months with that in mind you can understand kind of the frustration of, of such a hike Absolutely. i mean 40 percent or whatever it is to 570 pounds it, it is but i mean you have to understand that the vast majority of people, 18,000 people, are not paying that big increase. Mm. 18,000 people are paying the same amount this season as they paid in the last season in the Premier League. Yeah, I mean, I can see it both sides. I mean, on the one hand, you you can turn around and say, yes, fans did have the option of the early birds, you know, when we weren't sure which league middles we were going to be in. Many of the 18,000 did. and Which can, were brilliant. Which, which, which was brilliantly. Absolutely. And equally, you can uh, you also probably make a case that the 18,000 that, that did snap the tickets up straight away have been the 18,000 that have been going for the last seven years. Now, you could arguably make that as an argument. Well, what you, when you say 18,000. <laughs> <laughs> well, exactly. <laughs> but you can also understand it on the other side of, of the fans as well, where, I mean, you can look at, especially the timing of it and the £170 million promotion pot and the timing of it, um, and they could say that the increased prices would potentially only bring in another million pounds or one-point-something million. I can understand that. I mean, what... I can understand both sides. What I really want to see next season is a full Riverside because yeah. I remember that Brighton game and it was absolutely rocking. And if, even if, if Ian Holloway is praising Middlesbrough for, you know, he's never seen anything like it, then you know that it was good. And that is what Middlesbrough need to do next year. Is the season ticket prices right, wrong? The proof will be in the pudding when we see kind of when you've got at home to Crystal Palace, at home at West Brom next season in October, November time, will it be full? Will it be near capacity? Will there be a lot of empty seats? We will have to see. I can see both sides of the argument. There's no definitive right answer, but you know, I think we're going to have to wait and see. Is, on it. I think the problem, that Borough, the problem that we've got is, is that Borough, there's two things. Borough don't exist in a vacuum, and as Vic says, Teesside itself is, a, is an area that's struggling, struggling more than it has done in recent years because of, well-documented reasons. The problem is you can't square that circle. Mm. Borough could come out and say this season, uh, just pick a number out of the air, all season tickets next season will be 300 quid. And that would be great, but how does that relate to the rest of the Premier League? You know, in my opinion, all football is vastly overpriced. Let's let's, let's say that first of all. Um, the, the, The prices that some League Two clubs charge are astronomical. You know, you talk about twenty-five quid to watch League Two football. Um, you know that, that 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 to me is a shocking amount of money for what is effectively a very poor standard of football. Um, you know, are the prices too expensive? Well, all prices are too expensive. Should people have renewed earlier? Well, who are we to tell people what to do with their money? Quite frankly, um, people had the choice and they took that choice. Um, it's interesting that we had a poll on it, wasn't it? And 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 you'd think that the poll would probably be 90-10 against the, the, the rises. And actually, it was closer to 55%, 45% in favour of... Uh, sorry, against the rises. So I don't, think, I don't think the fan base is quite as one-sided as perhaps social media would portray it. 
nonetheless, I was, I, personally, I was surprised at the, the size of the rises at the ends, the north and south stands. The east and west, I could fully understand. The, it was a, a pretty, pretty hefty hike at those ends, and I can understand fans saying, well, wait a minute, it's, it's, it's probably more than I expected. I did expect a rise, but I didn't expect that, expect that kind of rise. But I also understand the club saying, well, we charged those prices for the Brighton match. We had a full house. The product was there. We, we, you know, we were offering a very exciting package, which was a really good game between two good teams. People were prepared to pay that money on that occasion. Can you make that argument across the season? Well, maybe you can. You, you know, the club would argue that if you buy a season ticket now for the for the North Stand, you will be able to watch nineteen Premier League games for thirty quid ahead. I think that's the breakdown, yeah. isn't it? And if you're under under, I think if you get concessions, that works out. It's just over a tenner. So, so, I, what I, so just to finish my point, I'm going to say, you could argue the hikes are probably too high, but then again, when you put the other side of the argument, is £30 a match for every match next season, uh, and that protects you from any sort of categorisation hikes as well, is that too much to pay for Premier League football? I think a lot of people would probably argue, well, in the current climate of the Premier League, no, it probably isn't. And I think if you were the other chairman, you'd probably make a, a fairly decent argument of saying, well, hang on, I've, I've been pumping in a million pounds a month over the last seven seasons to keep the, the wool from the door. And that's a valid argument as Two well. Two uh, well, well, exactly. <laughs> and, and if there's only kind of 11,000, 12,000 coming at their own games, he can probably have a right of saying, well, hang on, wait, where's all this demand for... Well, is it, too factuous, is it too factuous to say when he really had to dig deep in 2009, 10, 11, when he was going for that £1 million a month, he could have passed on some of that to the loyalist fans who mm. were going week in, week out then, and mm. he didn't. He froze prices, he froze them for nine seasons. Now, a few people have said to me, well, you know, um, that, that's all well and good, but that doesn't you know, counteract what's just happened. Well, you could make the argument that most clubs would have raised prices at that point because most clubs would have been owned by a bloke who had no emotional attachment to the area, who might have been an Asian businessman and an American, somebody from London, and they would have said, I'm sorry, but the cost of running this football club is so much, I'm not putting a million pounds of my money in, you'll have to pay it, and we'll also put it on the match day prices as well. So I think that really needs to be said quite strongly, that for nine seasons, particularly when we were really, really down on out, you know, down on it was really down and out, struggling, you know, the... the you couldn't give a season ticket away to your mate if you couldn't make it on a Saturday. It was that bad. The, the, the chairman bit the bullet, and um, you know, and I think that really needs to be recognised. But I don't think anyone, anyone ever forgets that. You know, I don't think I'm there's ever. Sure, the, I don't the, think the entire any... strategy for a decade has been to uh, shore up the season tickets, no matter mm. what. It's been a political position that the club have taken, and that's why the, the, not only was it frozen, but. Uh, when when gates were perhaps a little bit rocky under Tony Mowbray, he threw in a free pint as well. I mean, it's a quite clear strategy to to protect the season tickets, and in some ways, that's maybe that's had a a cultural effect, a negative cultural effect, in that people perhaps thought season tick, you know, ticket prices didn't go up, and when when they went up last year, it was a fairly small measure. I think it was two pounds for the walk up fee last year. There was a similar outcry. Yet gates went up week by week. So there's a contradictory thing here. That, I mean, that yes, everyone knows that football is really expensive. Yet Premier League stadiums are, are sold out every week. 
even in places where the tickets are 50, 60, 70, 80. Well, some of them are. It's, it's become yeah. a disparity, hasn't there, between the, some of the clubs that can sell out every week and then you've got clubs that have to have offers left, right and centre. But the vast majority have 90% and capacity. Yeah, yeah, I get that. So get. there's a contradictory yeah. thing going here in that, that some you know people like ourselves who go to football and, and, and see it as like a, an article of faith, if you like, have a certain mental structure as to where it should be. Yeah, but other people, Premier League football as a package, as an entertaining package, is a completely different thing. I mean, what I would say is that, and I, and I think it's important to say, you know, we, you know, people make the point, the right to make the point. We don't pay to watch football, and it's a it's a very privileged position, and I'm grateful for that. I couldn't go to my missus and say, um, uh, I want to get a season ticket for myself and one of the kids for next season, which what would it be over seven hundred pounds for mm. the two year. I don't think I could sell that to her. That would mean, for me personally, probably having to do away with the summer holiday, and she'd probably say, well, sorry, we're going to have the summer holiday. And I understand that people right across Teesside will be having those conversations right now and be saying, I want to go and see Man United play the Borough. I want to go and see Borough, you know, play Premier League football. I want to see how West Ham get on when they come to, the, to Riverside, whatever. I want to, I want to be part of that. It's going to be exciting. And they're going to say, well... We wanted to get a new. We wanted to upgrade the car. That, that, that sounds. Mm. I'm not the, trying to be patronised. That is the conversation yeah, that the, the real, couples around the, the real kick in the teeth is the people who who would pick and choose and go to half a dozen matches in in the past because a season ticket isn't viable or practical or whatever or logistically isn't a isn't a starter. And they would normally pick, you know, their four or five matches. This season, the ones that they want to pick are going to be incredible demand because when it come, when Man United, Arsenal, Chelsea come to town, you're going to be hard pushed to get a, get a ticket because the demand will be there from people who haven't beat the matches because they're, they're not, not interested in the championship. But as soon Do you as think that'll be the case? Because I mean, you, you look, and I don't dispute that the, 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 there's going to be a lot of demand, but if they say, what, we're 20,000 at the minute, so say Arsenal, Man U, whoever bring 3,000, there's still 10,000 tickets there, isn't there? That's it should, it should go, we should go on record and say, by the way, that for the last two or three years in the Premier League, we were nowhere near That's capacity. What I mean. mm. That's what I mean. We and were, I know it's new, isn't it? So yeah. to start with all you know, the games... I think we should make that crystal big. clear that Borough weren't packing the stadium towards the end of the Premier League for, for a variety of reasons, which we haven't got time to go into now. It's a long time since Borough sold out every week. I know, but the novelty... Yeah, I agree with what you're saying. Yeah. The landscape's changed yeah. completely. Yeah. The, the, and for a one-off... It's a new generation of yeah, fans. Exactly, for a one-off uh, sort of uh, trip, you'll get a lot of people who, who aren't normally at yeah. the Riverside will want to go and see Man United and Chelsea mm. and Arsenal. And they're the people that will buy the tickets. And people who perhaps in the past would have been picking and choosing their three or four games a season, they're gonna, the, the, the demand is going to be... You know, some of those people will not get into the game. It's and I think the great thing is, so I was just going to say, one of the great things about Borough in the Championship was that generation of fans who, who, who really loved going away from home from the age of 15, 16, 17. They stuck by the club, they particularly enjoyed the way matches. They're now way-journeying adults, a lot of those, and that's the generation who wouldn't have been able to buy the tickets in 2006, mm. 7, 8, 9... They're now part of the equation, aren't they? Those games you're talking about, Manchester United and Arsenal, what have you, there's been a lot of talk about this, this categorising games and the categorising ticket prices. When, when can we expect... Because I guess that might have changed the reaction to season ticket prices slightly if those prices had gone out at the same time and they'd have said, mm. well, actually, Manchester United's going to cost, and I'm plucking a figure out the area, £37. So you're going to be saving, if there's six, seven, eight 
Category A games. I mean, how how will the judge those Category A games, and and when do you think we can expect a, a price on that? I don't know, but you would expect it to be fairly fairly quick, wouldn't you? Yeah, I mean, I think I think you could do your own list. We could all do our own list and probably come up with five of the six or seven. I mean, you, you're talking your Man United's probably the weird side derby, yeah. the Tottenham Tees weird derby, Liverpool, Arsenal. Possibly Tottenham, Le- De- Leicester. Chelsea, Leicester. Yeah, Leicester. Leicester. You know, well, I mean, we could all more or less make up that list of yeah. the categories. People will still make a saving on the season ticket. I mean, it's, it's. I don't think there's any winners really in it. I know and the chairman, you know, will have his own viewpoint, right? So he's got to run a football club, and, and he's made his decisions based on so many factors, many of which we don't. You know, little things like, for example. You know, people forget that Borough have to pay VAT on every ticket sold, 20% VAT. So there's there's 20% of your income gone straight away from every ticket that's sold. The number of concessions, I think virtually 40% of the people in the Riverside at any one time have paid concession rates. So there, you're not, you know, everyone says, oh, well, times 25,000 by 30 quid, if only it were that simple. So I understand both sides of the argument. Yeah, absolutely, and kind of, I've heard... I've heard kind of some fans say that it's only 18, day, 18, 19 days since promotion and then all of a sudden there's kind of a bit of a sour taste. But, I mean, these kind of things are, unfortunately, in Premier League football and, and the size it is now and it's swirling out of control, these things are going to have to get wrapped up quickly. So I understand both sides of the argument. I think Phil really you know, absolutely bang on with kind of the, the internal kind of family discussions of, you know, what do we prioritise and... And we are in a very, very privileged position as as journalists to do that. I don't think we can fully understand the to the extent of how difficult that is because we're not kind of privy to it. We're not part of it. Um, is it would Steve Gibson have, have kind of done it deliberately to annoy Borough fans? No, but equally, do we understand why Middlesbrough fans are very upset or unhappy or feel that the timing of it is wrong? I understand that as well. Can I just say I've got plenty of family and friends who bought tickets who think it's absolutely fantastic that they're getting towards the Premier League for £21. Last year it was £19. I think. In the initial, in the early bird. Yeah, we'll see ticket holders, yeah. Yeah, yeah and like I say, I think no one has any issues at all with no. the early bird prices. I think 390 odd quid for an off stand is, is their great prices, aren't they? The response came from the, from the, the, the second allotment of prices, didn't it? Yeah. Anyhow, I think we're knocking on personal best territory for time spent sat at this table. So uh, we'll wrap up there. Cheers, fellas. Thank you.